Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Noah Baumbach's new romantic comedy drama, Marriage Story. The film stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson as a stage director and an actor who are struggling through a coast-to-coast divorce that pushes them to their personal and creative extremes. In addition to Marriage Story, Mr. Baumbach's credits include the feature films The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected, Frances Ha, Margot at the Wedding, The Squid and the Whale, and Kicking and Screaming. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Mr. Bombach spoke with director Ben Stiller about filming Marriage Story. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. <clears throat> All right. Um, I know after I saw the movie, uh, I needed a moment. So... Um, I don't know, it just would be for me, like, after I saw the movie, I was really affected. Uh, I have mixed feelings about the film. On the one hand, I feel like it's your most accomplished, um, emotionally accessible, and well-realized work. And on the other hand, I'm not in it. <laughs> and I'm just hoping there's... No Venn diagram there that, I don't know. Um, it's really, it's a beautiful film. And uh, just Thank congratulations you. on Thank it. Thank you, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to start with that. I mean, I think, you know, I, I feel like it's one of those movies where if you've ever been in a relationship of any kind, you can relate to it on some level. Um, if you've ever been in a relationship that hasn't worked, you can relate to it. Uh, and there have been a lot of movies that have been made about relationships. Um, so maybe, uh, I guess one of the first things I would ask is, how did you approach it knowing that this was a subject matter that, you know, was not new? Uh, how, what, was your, you know, what was your impetus to go and say, okay, I'm going to do this? Well... I mean, I, I, I sort of had an idea that, that I wanted to find a new way to tell a love story of a kind. And I, and I kind of found it in, uh, in, in, in telling the story of a divorce. I mean, I'd, I'd gone through this a bit with The Squid and the Whale, which um, was on one hand the story of a family going through divorce, but on the other hand was really just, I felt, a story about family and a story about childhood and about that kind of time, you know, that necessary moment whenever it occurs where a child needs to, you know, kind of demystify their parents and, and, and move away, find some kind of independence. And by, in that story and finding it in the kind of crack up of a marriage, it was, it was kind of, in some ways it, it was a way to, to make that more evident, a way to, you know, to, to, to make it more dramatic. And 
And in a sense, I found it again in this story, which was, you know, in telling the story of a, a, a love story, in a, in a sense, the story of a marriage, I felt like in, in sort of its undoing, I could focus on it even more. Um, so, uh, I mean, that was, you know, and then, and then you know, there, I did a lot of research. I started talking to a lot of people about, you know, their experiences with divorce. I mean, it's such a giant subject, as you say, and it, it's... And there aren't really that many movies about divorce. Um, uh, they're, they're fewer than, than I, you know, I, 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 one might think. And I, and, um, but it's such a kind of giant subject, and, and it happens to so many people and so many families. And I, and I felt like once I started getting into it, I really started to investigate and talk to a lot of people, and it, it kind of opened up all these avenues for me in the narrative. And when you, um, it's just always interesting to me, having known you for a while, um, I'm just curious, because you're so, you really are someone who, you're very prolific without being like crazily prolific, you know, or like, you know, in, in an unhealthy way, where some people just do, 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 do. prolific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what they um, always say about me. Um, but I, I really do think you have this, uh, you know, this I don't. I, I don't know if it's a work ethic or if it's a a, um, a need to kind of do, do. You know, you always are working on something. It seems like when you finish editing something, you're working on the next thing. So, when you approach this, you have this idea. I'm just curious, like how you begin writing it. What you know, a little bit. It's just interesting to me. We can talk a little bit more about the subject matter, but just your process in terms of how you sit down and start to write something like this. Well, I, I think. I find I often have ideas or, and, and I think we've probably talked about this with movies we've ended up making, that the, where I have, you can kind of half see the movie. You can, it's like you, you know this is a movie somewhere, and, but you can't get there yet, and it doesn't, so there's, often I find there's another movie in front of that, you know, and it, it I, I let it kind of live while I'm doing other things. And this was one that has lived for quite a while. Um, and so that, you know, practically that, that finds its way in notes and um, you know, see, little scenelets or ideas for scenes, uh, lines of dialogue, um, shot ideas, and but it, it is a movie I couldn't have written until I wrote it. And I think after we finished Meyerowitz and, and, and we were, uh, at some point, I think, in the, in the, when we were promoting it, um, I think I, it just sort of arrived, it, it, you know, it, it found its way. And I, it just it was something I just started writing in earnest. Um, and that's when I kind of seized it and started to, talk to a lot of people and sort of, and go with it. Um, but I, I couldn't have written it six months earlier. It's just one of, it's just that sort of thing. I mean, although as you say this, I have nothing on the docket now. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> suddenly. This is it. Yeah, this is, this it. is yeah. I, yeah, I think I, I kind of, uh, um, <laughs> uh, which I think maybe is healthy in a different way. Yeah, I don't sure. know, we'll see. Yeah. So, but you kind of, the way you approach it is you start writing. I, 
you start writing, you don't really, I mean, not to have to expose your whole creative process. Just let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but these are people who you know, are involved in making films. And, but I'm just curious, you, you, when you write, you don't really, you kind of just begin and you kind of go with it. I mean, it's different for different things, but I, 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 um, I, I, and often I bring in the actors as well. I mean, I, I'll, I'll have sort of like a spill of stuff, and it's often in a lot of different notebooks, and some's on the computer, and some's in notebook written by hand, and, um, and often when I'm writing by hand, I'm, I'm kind of end up writing the same. I find myself writing the same idea over and over again, but slightly differently. Like I'll keep. I'll keep thinking it's a new idea and then I'll look, I mean, it's a little like The Shining when you, you're like, it's like, I look back and I'm like, I've just been writing the same thing, but it's somehow I'm developing some thought. There's some, cause sometimes something's interesting or feels like a movie, but you don't know why. And you don't, you, so you don't know what to do with it, but you keep returning to it. Um, I mean, even, or shot ideas. I mean, even an early point, the, one of the, the second shot in the movie is, is, is Scarlet coming out of the, Subway, and I've always wanted to do that visually, that that thing that we all do all the time. I mean, if, of sort of coming out of the earth, you know, into you know, and in, into in New York City and or to Brooklyn, or and and um, it's something I've done so many times in my life. And then, like one day, I was like, "What? That's such a thing. It's that that arising out thing. Um, it's so kind of beautiful and." Um, so there are those things that find their way in. Then, um, uh, and then, but what I've also started doing more in, in recent years, I mean, really, I think since our collaboration um, started on Greenberg, is, is bringing the actors in and thinking about the actors while I'm writing. You know, I mean, it, you know, that was uh, very much um, while we're young and, um, Meyerwitz for us, and um, on on this movie, I I, I brought Adam Driver and um, Laura Dern, who who Adam I have was our fourth movie together. Laura I knew well, um, but had never worked together, and and then Scarlett I knew a little bit, and I approached her, and I think having I I, I found it very much true for for us. I but I I find more and more having the actors involved. Even just as it, so, I can picture them and and write scenes thinking of them. That 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 um, I, I I find is a is a great kind of guide for me when I'm working, as well as uh, a resource to to reach out to you at at any point. Right. Um, I would. I'm in watching the movie. I feel like all of your movies have this sort of great sort of. Um, balance of, you know, humor and drama and, or whatever. It's kind of just like real. But, you know, when you think about uh, something that's funny in one of these movies, or in this movie in particular, there I think there are moments that are really, really funny. Um, uh, but they're, in, they're sort of in very, you know, tough situations. Um, do you think about that at all in terms of, like, oh, I should have... Uh, are you thinking about the the laughs ever at all? Uh, no, not really. I I I I I kind of often am aware. I'm aware of the of 
these sort of tones, or uh, uh, w w w I don't know what to call them exactly, or but um, living often side by side within a scene. Um, I don't write jokes or things that are funny to try to lighten a, a, an otherwise serious scene, or 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 vice versa. I don't try to kind of think, oh, we're getting too funny here or something. Um, but I'm aware of it on some level. I'm just, it's just kind of a balance that often feels right to me. Um, I mean, there are lines that I, you know, like when Bert Spitz says, uh, if I were representing you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like that's a line when I wrote it, I thought that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but, but again, then you have when we're shooting it, it's it's Alan and it's Adam, and Alan does it in such an unconscious way, and Adam is so there and up, you know, and like you are representing me. Like he's so, it's like you know, he's it's it's such a. And then Alan's like, no, of course, of course, of course. Like, like, and it, it's, it's, you know, and in the playing of it, it's so there's so much desperation and sadness in it too, and 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 that's the only way a line like that can live in a movie. Like, I feel like in the movie, it is 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 in that context. Um, so, um, no, I don't think about right. it. Right. But no, I, I I think though that that's like a good example though of like the humor is kind of part of it's not you know there to be funny it's there just to be in service to the story because of the, the the irony of that moment um and i feel like as a, a filmmaker you know over the course of all your movies i, I think you've always you you have a very distinctive voice and i think of, you've never worried about having to make sure that it works for a broad audience or to make everybody happy would you is that fair to say or to have well, to I, please I, an audience. I, I want to. I want the audience to be there with me. I'm not. I never would do anything that I thought was going to actually alienate the audience. I, I. I at all. I. I. But I. But I guess I've done things if I felt they felt right or true that the audience. I hope the audience will be there with the movie. Right. Because it's interesting to me because in this film I feel like there is. Um, and, and I was joking about earlier, but an accessibility to this film that maybe for some audiences they didn't have before for your films, where you'd say like this, maybe not that that they were in any way less, or um, that this is any more uncompromising, but there's a certain, I think I felt there's like a certain heart in the film where you wanted to tell this story, which was a very difficult, painful story, but at the end of the story you wanted to feel, you wanted the audience to, to maybe feel something that was hopeful or... I, and maybe that's presumptuous. I don't know. Well, I, I felt that the story was that inherently and, and needed to be that. <clears throat> um, and that goes to sort of it being a love story and that, that I wanted it to... The, you know, this is sort of feeling that love exists in every scene. I, I think it was something I, I thought about the whole way. It was like that, and it's something that Adam and Scarlett, without ever doing anything, but it was always there, is that no matter how contentious you feel love and you feel that you feel the potential for happiness is always there. It's just, 
sometimes it's out of reach. It's like the space in Los Angeles and you're in these conference rooms and you see all that landscape and it's there, but it's like a painting. It's gone, it's, you can't get to it until the last shot, in a sense, you get to it. And, and um, it sort of went into the di that dissolve that between them after they signed their um, that thing. I felt like they're never quite there at the same time anymore. And the feeling of trying to grab it. And, you know, that inherently is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's moving. And, and I felt, and so it was really the story that dictated it for me. I wasn't consciously thinking, oh, this, I want this to be more accessible than the previous movie or not. I mean, you know, I mean, Greenberg, which we made, was so much about loneliness. Much about, more accessible. Uh, much more yeah. accessible. <laughs> I felt. Um, well, it was, but it was, it was about loneliness and about, um, uh, you know, and about a very particular person at a very particular time. And I, and um, that's what I love about that movie. But I, I it, it, you know, I don't, I wasn't, I, I, I don't think of them in contrast to each other. In that way. I was just thinking that as a storyteller, I felt like there was a real very uh, conscious responsibility. I think that I felt like well taken care of as an audience watching the movie that you were telling this story in a very real way and not in any way manipulating our emotions, but also wanting to take I, that's, us somewhere. That's absolutely true. I mean, I feel like that you have a real responsibility. It's like the, with material like this, it's, I mean, it's not unlike, you know, an action movie where you feel sometimes you're watching, you know, something or a horror movie where you feel like you're, you feel in great hands, you feel scared. You might feel like anything can happen at any point, but you love that feeling because you know that on some level, the person who made the movie is taking care of you. And then we've all seen the ones where you feel like I don't like this feeling because I don't feel like they're taking care of me. And, and I do, I definitely felt that as, 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 as a filmmaker, um, I, I mean, that, that was a, of extreme importance. What do you think of Marvel movies? I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not, I, uh, I want to talk a little bit, and then I'll open it up for a couple of questions, but I just want to talk about a couple of uh, moments to me that were just very, very special. The actors, I think, are all just doing amazing work. Um, and there's a couple of moments, like the, the moment when, when uh, Adam sings the song, when, when he sings the Sondheim song, right? Yeah. Um, wh where did that, it's so unexpected, it's so, uh, to me it's like just this kind of revelatory moment of humanness that in no way could ever be, you know, come out of some sort of a studio script notes, meaning like, and then, then he should definitely sing the Sondheim song there. <laughs> You know, it just, it's just, I, I, and sing the whole song, you know, um, and it's so amazing. Um, it, it, did the, how did that happen? Um, well, it, it had come, I mean, initially it came from the fact that Adam and I talked about company a few years ago, how much we, we, we liked it. And we loved, loved the musical. We even talked at times about, is there like a film version of company that could be done? And. And in doing that, we were listening, I was listening to, we were both listening to the soundtrack a lot, and, and I w was watching versions um, on YouTube, the Pennebaker documentary, which is amazing. And, um, and 
I was, I thought at some point, you know, I mean, I just love to have Adam Singh being alive um, in anything. Uh, uh, and, and I, you know, this part of me that feels like if it wasn't this movie, it would be the next one. Or the, I just keep kick, I just keep kicking that idea down the line until, <laughs> until I could rationalize it in a movie. Um, Did you know he could sing? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and he sang for me. Uh, just, I mean, it's uncomfortable when you're sitting together and someone, you're like, well, can you sing a little or something? Um, but, but uh, he did. Um, uh, but, you know, I wanted it to have the same effect that it has, you know, that songs have in musicals, which is that, you know, the best musicals where you, that it's not just entertainment, it's, it's actually story and character. And so that when the character's at a different place at the end of the song than, than when they started. And I felt like, you know, could, could, could that be possible in this movie? Um, uh, and, you know, there were, the, 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 the material offered a lot of opportunity um, genre-wise. I mean, there are a lot of kind of embedded genres in this movie and uh, some like thriller and courtroom procedural. There's a screwball comedy vibe to it. There's, there's love story, horror, and, 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 you know, we found a musical, too. Um, but, you know, we shot it at Knickerbocker downtown and, um, on, on University. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was kind of, I mean, it was a great, it was a great thing to shoot because he was so, it was, it's all one shot also. And, and the only time that the camera moves unmotivated by, by, uh, any kind of uh, physical action, it, it does twice. It's in, in Scarlett's monologue in Nora's office when she's going, and, and I feel like it's a kind of internal momentum. It's, it's a, um, somebody once said to me that, that you can't leave some, like talking about relationships, you can't leave without momentum. And I felt like in a sense that monologue was the momentum she needed. I mean, she had it already, but it was kind of like a getting to a new place, and it's like internal. And I felt like we, the rules could break because of that. You know, the 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 the, the film rules. You know, that we could move in on her. Um, and likewise, when Adam sings, something's changing in him, and we can move. The camera has to move. It can't hold back anymore. And I love that in movies. I mean, I love that as a director, just like sort of remaining open to sort of when things can change. Um, like the rules that you have, like, you know, you have your kind of, whether you call them rules or guidelines or just sort of intuitive, like how you want to shoot your movie. But when something happens that gives you permission to do something else, and in a sense, the song itself is is finding permission. It's like the character finds, uh, gives us permission. And I felt like then our job is, as the camera and as the cinema, as as the audience, is to come and and follow and to move in towards him. Um, yeah, I, I'd say as a filmmaker, you are. I feel there are 
very few writer directors who embrace uh, both aspects of it equally. And I feel like for you as a filmmaker, I think there maybe it might be some write, uh, filmmakers who write so that they can direct their film or collaborate with another writer to be able to get to the point where they can make the film because that's where they're most um, they feel most confident. Maybe um, for you, do you separate the writing and the directing, or how do you look? Do you look at the first draft of the script and the final cut of a movie as just different parts of the same process? That I, I see them as part of the same process. I, um, uh, no matter what a script is, I don't really find much satisfaction in just a script. I do. I feel like they are blueprints. Um, I mean, I work very hard on them. I want them to be as thorough as I can make them. I work with my editor. Jen Lame, I, I work with her on the script. The way we work will ultimately work on the final movie, um, uh, be, uh, because I, I, I feel like we might as well cut the script first, so that the script is, in some ways, uh, you know, like like a cut film before we shoot the movie. So you'll show her a draft of the script. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk it all through, and then we'll. And I, I really, um, you know, Mike Nichols. Uh, had the thing that he said to, that every director needs a buddy, which I think is a great, uh, I think it, and you know, he was an interpretive director, brilliant. Um, but he, you know, so, so I, I, you know, he, I think from his perspective is always looking, well, who's the buddy on this and, and, but when you're a writer director, you can't, the writer can't be your buddy. Um, so, you know, you look for a buddy, um, and, uh, Jen's been, and, and I, you know, they're more than one buddy can be more than one. I mean, we've been buddies. Um, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, we're still buddies in, in life Good. and, and, in, and in future movies. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but, um, and Adam and I mean, the, the cast is that way, but it, but in a way it's, you want to let the cast, you know, even in the closest collaborations, I feel like you want to let the cast have their, world too and not you know that you do by necessity a director needs to kind of you know the that that the, the, the there's there's some barrier there some of the time because they have to live in those moments i mean you have to let them you know give them as much structure as i i feel is necessary and then so that they can let go and you can't be that you know you, you you need to be watching you you know you can't always be there you know you can't you know, you, you watch some of these scenes, I can't rush in and say, what did you think? You know, you know, they're, they're, you have to, you're there for them. So you, I found, you know, Jen is often that for me, um, uh, you know, a, a very important collaboration. Okay, uh, do we have time for, that to wrap it up? One question? Five minutes, okay. Yes, go ahead. The question was, could uh, Noah talk about the amazing, the fight sequence when they fight and he ends up saying, I wish you were, Dead. Um, it's all scripted, and 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 um, the whole movie is scripted. I mean, it's it's um, and Ben can speak to this. Um, uh, it's all scripted, <laughs> down to the does and us, and it's all very specific. Um, but I find having 
again, this sort of to what I was saying, I think having real structure, um, I mean, the, the, we, we rehearsed, we rehearsed everything, but that scene in particular, um, we, we rehearsed, you know, uh, First, first the rehearsals start in just chairs and a rehearsal space, and it's really like getting the language because like all the overlaps are scripted. Everything is sort of it's a kind of musicality in a way, and so getting them comfortable and familiar with everything, and they know it now. They, I I want them to know it uh, by heart when we're rehearsing, so they're already there. They have the language, and then we rehearse in the space. It, it was, you wouldn't think it'd be so hard to find a crappy apartment in Hollywood to shoot in. Uh, but to the specifications that I wanted, it was difficult because I knew we wanted a lot of movement in there. I liked what I found, which is what I was looking for, was also the kitchen and the living room. It's almost like a split screen. I felt like I was thinking of, of, of our friend Brian De Palma's, like, you know, how he would often do a split screen. And it goes with a lot of the locations, our, our kind of play on this sense of performance their theater people's their 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 home in in brooklyn has that kind of archway proscenium when they come in um you know the serving of the papers is all the ins and outs and the doors and thing it's like kind of like noises off or something you know um uh um the and then of course the irony in the movie is that the lawyers become the performers and they lose their voices and so uh, it was also very important where that scene fell in the movie because it comes right after the courtroom where I felt like they've been totally stripped of their voices. The lawyers have taken over, they've distorted, they've turned all these things into argument, into verbiage. It's it's all about d dividing. And I saw that scene, I mean, many things about that scene, but I saw that scene as a sort of about them finding their voices again or trying to, but they don't, they, they don't have the, the, you know, they, they don't have, uh, the, the really the means to, 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 to communicate anymore. I mean, it's like, it's, it's almost like children learning to speak or to communicate again. Um, and so what we did is we, we, then we blocked it extensively and everything in it, everything was blocked, but with their collaboration, the actors need to find, right, Ben? The actors need to find their, their way into um, it as well. But what I discovered in that too is that in a way the blocking kind of mirrored their relationship in, during, this, during the movie, which is he's, She's trying to get him, she's there from the beginning. I mean, her story is the story of, of her finding a voice, of building herself up. His, he's always catching up throughout the movie, which is also why I think that Sondheim song has, you know, besides his, I mean, brilliant performance, is, is why it has the meaning it does. Um, and his is the process of breaking down. And so he's moving away, she's coming after him. That helped us motivate a lot of the movement in that s sequence. Um, so it's when he finally is pushed to come forward and you see the cost to him and what he's been fighting, he's been hiding. You know, he's, he's, there's good reason he hasn't wanted to do that because it's, he's hiding so, you know, he's been defending himself from so much pain. And um, so that helped us kind of block it out. And then even the, the close-ups, you know, when we get into these very, there's sort of three s sets of close-ups, sort of a 
sort of medium close-up, but slightly closer, and then a, their faces kind of take over the screen. We had the cut points of those in advance. I knew exactly where we would cut. So I would have them turn, like I would say, you have to, could you say the line here and then come forward? Or could you, so that the, move, the movement and the line would be the cut point of every piece there. So you have these actors, you know, I'm giving them very sort of structured thing. Then the idea is that they, I find it gives them the freedom to go and be in the moment because they don't have to, they, none, they're not carrying any of this burden of anything else except just being in the scene. And, you know, they're so, you know, they do, what they do is so personal in this movie. It's, 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 um, it was the hardest thing I've had to sh shoot as a director because it was, it was hard not to get emotionally involved myself shooting it, um, but also the most gratifying because uh, because of what they were doing. It felt so personal to them. I, I felt in a way I was watching their movie a lot of the time. Do one more, maybe? Question is about the aspect ratio the film was shot in and how rare it is to be shot in. Academy aspect. Ratio. It wasn't actually Academy, which would be one three three. This was one six six, somewhere between Academy and one eight five. Um, it was something that Robbie Ryan, uh, the cinematographer um, who shot Meyerowitz with us as well. What we came up with in tests, we did a lot of tests. It's also shot on thirty five millimeter. Um, uh, it was it. The, because we knew we wanted a lot of close-ups. I mean, another sort of aspect of the story is this sort of internal, external, which you see in the locations and the sort of New York, LA, the sort of interior versus the exterior, and um, uh, but also the internal life of, of the characters and the external situation they find themselves in. And I knew there was going to be a lot of close-ups. And 166, I find, really frames the faces beautifully. Um, uh, we looked at Persona, the Bergman movie, um, a, a lot, which is not actually shot on 166. I think it's like 178 or something. But it's, it's, um, uh, it's because of the way he shoots faces in that movie and, the, and also people in relationship to each other. I mean, the two women in relationship to each other, the sort of overlapping of faces, the, over, the way bodies are in a room. And then also when we do go wide, you know, that, that, that suddenly has meaning because, you know, so you know, it's, it's, it's that same thing. There are a lot of long takes in the movie too because I, I find then the cut suddenly, sort of going to those close-ups, the cuts suddenly have different impact. Um, uh, you know, that if you're cutting all the time, a cut doesn't mean anything anymore. But it, but if, 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 or it's just, you know, you don't think about it. But it, it, if, when you're doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, something that's sort of in one for a long time, the cut suddenly, you know, I always think of Vertigo when um, Jimmy Stewart is early on in the movie, he's showing, he's trying to prove that he doesn't really have a problem with it and he's getting up on the step stool and he's going, you know, up and down, up and down and Midge is there and he's looking, but then he looks and then he looks and he looks out the window of the apartment he's in and looks down and he suddenly gets it and it goes to the close-up and you're just like holy you know it's 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 really stunning and I always think about that of like saving the close-up for the right moment and and I've often not done a lot of close-ups in my movies because 
you know, for like Greenberg, the whole thing was to keep him in the environment always. You always wanted to see the environment. I always felt seeing the environment put his kind of solipsism into perspective um, because he's, you see this little guy in this world that doesn't care a, a damn about what he's going through. And here I felt it was different. It's like, we really care. We need, I mean, sort of to what you were saying earlier, I mean, it's like, you know, I, and this is in the music and the movie and everything. I felt like it's our duty to care for these people. You know, they're trying really hard and, you know, and they're imperfect and they're making mistakes and they're, um, but they are trying hard and they want it to be good parents. And I feel like, again, this was our responsibility was to be there with them and give them their, 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 you know, give them their chance. And, and um, so that was sort of all, you know, sort of built into this, these sort of notions of how we, we shot these scenes, yeah. Okay, I think we have to, to stop now. Um, thank you, Noah. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, thank you everybody. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for more great Q&As with directors Todd Haynes and Jay Roach. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow cinephiles find the show. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.